This episode of Adventures in Aurelia is brought to you by Gabe and Jeff from Interparty Conflict and Chai Kai on Patreon. You can join them in supporting the show at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia. Hello, and welcome to Adventures in Aurelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Caitlin. I play Tempest, a water genasi ranger. I'm Krista, and I play as Ariel, who's an Asmar divine soul sorceress. I'm Chris, and I play Rim, a human paladin. I'm Chantel, and I play Kanina, a tiefling sorceress. And I'm Damien. I will be being your dungeon master for tonight. In this episode, we'd like to give a shout out to Noah Wizard, who's been giving Damien some serious help with the editing of our short stories, which go along with me of it, or with the... Have you been doing Miavet stories or the first one was only done one the one Miavet story and it's from the Miavet story okay and it's called Cassian's Dishonor great and it helps fill in some of the background behind why Cassian is such an asshole he's not an asshole but I read that one it was fun I like Cassian. Noah Wizard is a grammatical genius and you can find him on Fiverr at Noah underscore Wiz. If you need help with any of your creative writing endeavors. And also on Twitter, at Noah underscore Wiz. He's also just a really cool guy, so you should go say hi. Like Noah, as in the name Noah, N-O-A-H, so that you're not trying to find him by saying no a wizard. (laughs) It was like hiring a professional editor. Wow. I was thinking I would send him the draft of it and he would read it and go, eh, it needs some work. Or, oh, hey, that's pretty good. But no, he went like line by line, paragraph by paragraph with me in a Google Doc and was like, well, you could change this and you could do this and you could do this and you could change this. And we talked enough that Caitlin, who also sees Twitter, was annoyed by how often she was getting notifications from the message. I had to mute the conversation. Thanks, Noah. Do you ever get that feeling that you walk into a room and then you think, why am I here? Have you ever noticed that that feeling has been going on for quite some time now, that you can't remember something incredibly important? That is the Ballad of the Seven Dice. For years now, it's been continuously wiped from your mind in an effort to destroy the connection to the Far Realm, but you should not forget these heroes, these people who risked their lives to save you and all of existence. Join us at BalladToTheSevenDice.com to continue to spread this word and fight against the gods' Eurasia. Who remembers what happened last time we played? I bought beer. got to Staringeld. Yes, we rode the lifts and got to Staringeld. We we made Ariel drink. Ariel is terrified of heights. Yep, peer pressured Ariel into drinking. She did find that she likes the mead. It's made of honey. Honey juice. Yeah, honey juice. Honey juice. 
It's like apple juice, right? Ariel had a very, very, very scary dream. Did and you tell anybody about the dream? Nope. No, we, we're still like sleeping, I believe. Right oh, as we we're, were still sleeping. Right. Like, we'll be picking right. up the where dream, you guys wake up. The dream was the cliffhanger. That's right. But Tempest and Kanina went out to look over the edge of where the... Uh, we looked into the lower city. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> great stared dwarf. into the abyss. <laughs> Tempest wants to go there. <laughs> Little do we know, the abyss stares back. <laughs> Stare into the abyss and slip slowly into madness. I know when Ariel left off with the dream, and Krista, for that matter, was very upset about how the dream had played out. Not about the content so much as, you know, like the emotional drama. It did bring a lot of emotion. Krista almost cried. Yes. I was very, I was almost teary-eyed. I had tears, like, welled up. I didn't even think it was that bad. Oh, man, I was... Heart on the sleeve. He could hear it in my voice. Yeah, I, her, just, I just write the stories. You guys act them out. Yeah, her voice was very thick at that time. I could tell it as well. <laughs> yeah, I was Long really... Ariel's very, very emotional. It was when uh, watching the dragon attack the monastery. Did anything happen with Rem during the night? Uh, he talked to the other gentleman in the inn about Grimfang. Calvin? Did I get it right? Calvin. Calvin. Did I get the other name right? Grimfang. Grimfang. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Snarltooth. Little bastard. He's a big fucking problem. Maybe, or he's a big fucking statue. We don't know. Yeah, but he's a problem. Yes. Big said you do a problem fight. statue. <laughs> yeah. Rem was given a drink by Kinina. We kind of talked with Thurin Lifwatcha Weebit, the tavern owner. I bought some, some pitchers of ale. And Kanina added some spices to the stew that we were given for the night. Mmm, spicy stew. Mmm, spicy. I'll <laughs> pretend I remember what Thurin sounds like tonight. <laughs> so, I think tonight we will be starting with the party waking up. I forget who is in whose rooms, but I believe you guys got two or three rooms. Two right? rooms, us and one, them and another. Us ladies and them. Ladies. You're not a lady. You're an ugly lady. Okay, <laughs> so everyone wakes up. Everyone wakes up. Yep, it's the 23rd of Bellinus. Who wakes up first? Eric. Oh. Should we roll for waking up first? I was going to say that um, supposedly Nina would like to because she likes doing her workouts in the morning. Calisthenic. But... Well, Rim's used to getting up early, but I mean, like, unless he has to, I don't think he would. I think Tempest to. will join you for those. Ariel's used to getting up in the morning, too, just because. Except in the past, you were drinking. Except for I was drinking. That's a thing. <laughs> you and so she's that and you currently you passed out naked in the room. And you also have, well, you had a weird dream. So she you had know. a weird dream and she didn't sleep well. Weird no. dreams tend to affect the uh, the constitution for the next day. <laughs> Ariel is snoring. Uh, I would like to thematically like he needed to be one of the first awake, but I will let the DM decide that. <laughs> Tempest wakes up to Ariel snoring loudly. <laughs> The interesting thing regarding everyone waking up today is that there's no sunlight, there's no birds, there's no animals to wake anybody up. So those that wake up first would be probably Kanina and Tempest as they would have the most consistent internal clocks. Grim would have a pretty good internal clock. Kanina has established waking up to work out multiple times. Rem has never established waking up early. No, but he's he's used to a military lifestyle in which they would... Is he? 
Well, yeah. How long has he been out of the military at this point? It's been a few Couple months. Years. years. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't change your habits. <laughs> okay, Kanina and Tempest wake up early because we have internal clocks. <laughs> so, Kanina, what do you do? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get up and I'll notice Rem is probably either still sleeping or probably stirring, but still in bed or something. And then I'll get up and make my way out uh, to the open tavern area. Mm. I'll kind of be quiet because I know people are still probably sleeping. But if I see the tavern owner, Thurin, I'll wave hi to him, bid him good morning. Ah, uh, you're up early. Oh yeah, it's just part of my normal routine. I like to exercise early in the mornings. Did I sound this way yesterday? Yeah, you sound about the same. Okay, good. Just making <laughs> sure. Uh, what can I get for you this this fine morning? Um, well, I mean, if you have some water on hand, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I can get you some water, and he takes a cup, just whoosh. <laughs> Kanina will take that, and then she'll have remembered that there's kind of an open area outside the tavern, and then she'll just be like, well, I'm off. Uh, let my, my party members know if uh, they're looking for me that I'm just outside exercising, and... Does Kanina wear different clothing for work, or does she work out in the clothing she's going to wear the day? Um, she probably works out in probably her sleep clothing, which is a little bit lighter and still comfortable, like I had phrased last time, where she's a yeah. little bit more, you know. I'm just thinking because, like, workout clothes don't tend to smell great the rest of the day. <laughs> Hi, guys. Just, just odor particles. Odor. Odorific. So when she sleeps, she stinks. Or no. she washes her clothes. But <laughs> but yes, I'm sure Kanina has made herself presentable and she probably has her exercise clothes. Okay, she... I was just making sure you weren't like out in armor that I was gonna you were going to be in the rest of the day and just be like, no. why do you smell? No, 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 no. But anyways, yes. Kanina gets changed into her exercise clothes, grabs her water, and walks out to go exercise. Kanina heads outside to I'm presuming work out after getting some water. What does Tempest do as she is one of the other early risers? Tempest. Nuts. <laughs> the bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Wakes up to just a bed sheets just just totally macrame out. <laughs> Ariel is laying beside you in In like, bed? Are they sharing? Wait, was I were you awake when I got naked yes, in the bed? Yes, she had looked at you okay, and so turned you, over and wait. ignored you. Okay, so she already knows. And then you big spooned her. She knows what she's waking up to. I thought we had separate beds. <laughs> you, yeah, out. but she sprawled out basically naked. You're not in a very My big room. My leg is like over. Yeah, but he just said she was spooning me. <laughs> I don't think so. From the second bed. Fingertips. Mage hand spooning. Oh, I thought there was only one bed. No, it's no, two beds. No, it's two beds. Oh, two okay. So yeah. she's in her own bed. Sprawled out. Tempest. Well, get up because Ariel's snoring. It's gonna be really annoying to just lay in bed and listen to that. Uh, but she is going to go out and exercise with Nina. At least lately, exercise with Nina. Maybe go for a jog. Go for a jog. Go for a jog. Do you Do know some... that Nina works out? <laughs> I some... mean, probably. Toe, toe Nina would have been working out on the boat, and Tempest often was. Okay. Was up and about at that time. Ariel, when she hasn't drank that night, which was every other night. But, <laughs> um, of her whole life. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure in the past, like, once she was, like, under Nina, she was up with Nina. <laughs> yeah, you already, you already, I think one day already woke up and worked out with Nina, so... So, yeah, I think ever since the whole mentoring thing started, she probably would have been yeah. doing that too but not not this morning you i kinda, already know that you're waking up last 
yeah, you've kind of stated in the past that you'll do certain exercises with Nina, but not things like push-ups or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> you jog. Just like future canon, though, I'm pretty sure when sh- when she's getting up, Ariel would have. If Ariel remember, or if if Kanina remembers to wake her up, so Tempest heads out to uh, to try and find Kanina. I'm guessing, assuming she had woken up first, and Thurin's just like, "Oh, hello, uh, your your friend, the the red one. She's already she's outside. She said, uh." Let anyone else you know that comes out that she's out there. Okay, thanks. Uh, can I get you anything? I'm good for right now. Okay, well, I'll be here. Okay. Have a good one. You too. <laughs> she goes out the door and finds Nina. Yeah, Nina will probably be in the middle of doing push-ups or something. So. <laughs> Sit-ups for those abs. Yeah. No, those are already rock hard. You don't need them. <laughs> Gotta Pull- maintain. Pull-ups. <laughs> Using the edge of the tavern. <laughs> so then she breaks it off. <laughs> as Kanina and Tempest the the, are the, the outside, there's, I mean, there, there's not a whole lot of space for you. You've only got a couple hundred feet to work with. Because mm-hmm. if you go a couple, like sixty or so feet south, there's a horse pen, and you go sixty or so feet to the west, then there is a large cliff. That drops off into the lower city. That looks perfect to hang off the edge and do sit-ups for. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like a little thrill in the morning. (laughs) To get that extra extension. Yeah, a little extra adrenaline. Yeah, if I fall, I die. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But no, she'll probably be doing exercise. She probably won't be doing like a jog per se, but she'll be doing, you know, sit-ups, push-ups, things that she can do in, you know, her small little space that she's confined in. Prison workout. Yeah. <laughs> Lift up a horse and <laughs> do the buffer. <laughs> Tempest starts doing Tai Chi. <laughs> it's extremely flowy. Well, coming from a monastery, Tempest probably does have a bit of a like more yoga like routine to her starting of the day. Downward dog. Sun salutation to the non existent sun because we're in a mountain. <laughs> Um, let's see. Warrior yeah, probably three. probably wouldn't be coming in through there yet. Through the spire. <laughs> Rem, as Kanina and Tempest are working out outside, you uh you wake up. Mm. Probably only about fifteen to thirty minutes after they have. I'd say he probably kind of like cracked an eye real quick when Nina left, and then just went right back to sleep when he yeah, maybe he heard her down the hall talking to Thurin. Was <laughs> like, <"What?" laughs> I know that voice. Once he realized it was no longer, like, he probably has no memory of waking up type of thing. Like yeah, you. He'll, <laughs> he'll wake up and then sit up on the edge of the bed and kind of do some stretches because he's old. Yeah. His back's probably a little sore from sleeping on a non-normal bed. So he'll probably, you know, stretch, maybe crack his back, his neck. A little extra stiff because there wasn't a lot of movement yesterday. You spent yeah, half the m- day just riding the lifts up. He's a little stiff in the morning, rubbing the old knee. Uh, storm's brewing. Um, but then he'll stand up and he'll start kind of getting stuff ready for the day um, that he thinks he needs. And then he'll head out to the uh, to the lobby. Head out to the, the main kind yeah. of eating area. Or right. sit down at the bar and order up like a glass of water. And so what's uh, what you got for breakfast? Well, we got some of the stew. I noticed that you guys don't all wake up together even though you went to bed together. It's a little strange. Are you trying to imply something? 
Uh, it's just a little strange. I think that some of you waking up would get the rest of them up. The other two have been outside for like the last half hour or so. Well, they like to work out. I'm a little, little past those calisthenic days. I'm not looking to keep the, the summer body going. Well, I got. Uh, I I can get you some of the stew. I can get you a hunk of bread if you'd like to pay three silver. Then I can get you some bacon and some eggs made up. Uh, stew and bread's fine. All right, that'll only cost you a silver that way. All right. Ariel, mm-hmm. roll me a d20. Mm-hmm. Nine. Nine! <laughs> is that with your... Oh, is it flat d20? Flat d20. Uh, so, um, Thurin gets a, gets a small bowl, ladles in some of the stew. He makes sure that there's a couple couple nice chunks of some, some meat in there. Of course. Yep. Rips you off about a quarter of a loaf of bread. It's actually still a little bit on the warm side, because yeah. he's... he's it's early morning. He's kind of just pulled it fresh out of the oven. It's probably not fresh bed, probably just reheated. That's fine. But it's still warm, softened up a little bit from from the fresh heat. He sets it down. He he brings it out to you. Uh, Can I get you anything to drink? Just just water. Just a water? Okay. He'll slide a silver across. Him. Thank you. And then just tuck in. Picks up the silver piece. Tucks it into like his, his belt pouch. And Ariel would... Uh, Go ahead and roll me a constitution saving throw. I got a hangover. <laughs> Been drinking too much for sure. Twelve. Twelve? Okay. Ariel wakes up. She's feeling a little extra groggy. I mean, it might not have been, like, perhaps the dream that she had made her not have the most restful night's sleep. Or perhaps it is the slight foggy feeling she has in her head that she's never experienced before. So, also stark naked. That's What's the temperature? Is it cold? Uh, the temperature inside Sterengeld is on the cooler side. Bit with where you, with where you guys are, um, the lower tiers of the city would be warmer because that's where some lava flows are. But you guys are up. There's actually, uh, Kanina and Tempest would notice there's a fairly consistent light breeze that's flowing towards the uh, the the door that you guys had all come in the day before, and it stays like probably consistently ten degrees cooler than it is outside during the summer months. So you're dealing with like low to mid seventies. In in Fahrenheit terms, if we have any international <laughs> listeners. Nope, Celsius. We're all boiling. <laughs> I thought you don't boil till 100 Celsius. Ariel would, you know, just kind of stretch while laying in bed, yawn, look around at, like, ceiling, remember where she's at. Roll perception. 11. 11 is enough to notice that Tempest is not in the room with you. She, yeah, so she acknowledged that, but everything from her dream is, like, processing. Like, everything that she can remember from the dream, because obviously you don't ever remember everything, but what she can remember, she's processing. Uh, She wakes up a little bit depressed, and she just grabs her journal and starts writing that stuff down, because she doesn't want to forget just any detail she can remember. Okay, is there anything in particular that that stands out that maybe she, like, underlines or writes in bold? Um, Red Dragon, Nina, and 
and the axe and burning monastery yeah and like probably there's when she's writing burning monastery there's tears falling and dripping onto her page you're gonna ruin the writing um because that is based that that place was basically her life that she remembers so um and the fact that um we as a group need to be careful with nina uh wielding the axe if she's ever able to which is kind of interesting since she's a sorcerer <laughs> um with a ridiculously high strength yes but she's a sorcerer you've witnessed the feats of Kanina's strength though she has but what is like ariel's thoughts regarding the dream that she had does does she believe that these events could happen does she believe that she can do anything to change what she has seen does she think that it's a vision of the future or a potential thing that she still has an influence over she's really confused because people that she's talked to say that dragons are not real yet she's now dreamt about them and kanina's talked to her about a dream regarding a, the dragon and so it's just a little bit confusing she really wants to research that stuff does she think that this might have been spurred on by the fact that Kanina had told her about what happened I think that that's something she's gonna have to think about to even come to that thought like there's gonna have to be like she's she's still processing just what she just saw in her dream so any conclusions and stuff I think is going to take some meditating. Okay. So what does Ariel do after kind of waking up and spending some time writing this? Uh, she will. And how long do you think it takes? I think she probably took about 20 minutes to process and write down and make sure that she got everything. And she probably did some crying. It, sometimes it takes a while to write stuff that really upsets you. Probably a lot of scribbling, probably a lot of underlines, probably a lot of big, bold words. So like Indiana Jones's grail journal? Possibly. Um, stick figure with horns holding an axe. <laughs> on top of a dragon. <laughs> and then she's going to get dressed and grab everything that eyes. belongs to her and head down to... There's no down, it's just out. <laughs> head out... To uh, find Tempest, at least, because she's temp she's not in the room. Okay. Uh, Tempest and Kanina, you guys have about 30 to 45 minutes to work out and converse in peace. Is there anything that you guys would like to talk about or establish while you have some time to yourselves? Um, Kanina will probably be noting Tempest's interesting way of working out with the Tai Chi, and she'll just she'll kind of sit like settle over there and be like, So, uh, what kind of exercise is that? <laughs> It's something that I caught on just being on the water all the time. and You just sort of learn to flow with the, the waves. and huh. It's very relaxing. That sounds pretty fun. Uh, mind giving me some pointers? And she'll kind of assume a pose that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Put your, put your hand there. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she probably did a little bit more flamboyant than needed to be. Kanina, go ahead and roll an some jazz hands. Acrobatics check. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. So yeah, Tempa, she is above average in her picking up of like 
probably what you're getting the sense of is that she is the fact that she works out in general is definitely helping her get some of the like hold some of the poses but she's but not she's quite, a little bit of a gym bro not quite flexible enough yeah <laughs> so it's like watching me stretch at the gym she's <laughs> like i'm trying but i can't do that <laughs> so nina after kind of getting comfortable with her tai chi poses well you know start following tempest's lead and be like well seems like we have a lot ahead of us today gonna go out and meet the king and queen <laughs> so what's our goal here like you said you found some stuff but like yeah um we discovered some dwarven artifacts while we were uh raiding a kobold and goblin camp and we decided it would be for the best if we returned it and let the people here know about what happened and the circumstances in which we found them we thought it'd be uh just our duty as part of the adventures guild to give them a heads up and let them know and return lost property to loved ones so we decided that would be best better, best done by meeting the king and queen and and just seeing for ourselves maybe the situation here. She'll assume another pose. <laughs> Was it something, like, important that you found? Because I feel like normally people would just, like, keep it as, you know, some some cool stuff. Like some loot and just move on and to the to the next adventure. Like that's always the stories that I've heard. You know, you go, you fight, you keep the stuff you find and you move on, you fight something else. Are you wearing it right now? Yes. <laughs> um uh, so you have the bracelet, right? Yes. So I have the Onyx bracelet. So Nina will kind of slowly position her wrist <laughs> so that it's in front of your face while doing her poses. And she'll just be like, well, this is one of the <laughs> items I found. And after I learned a bit of its history and what the engraving on it says, um, I decided it would be for the best to return it to whoever might want it who's here because it's it's a very touching piece. Uh, we learned while we were on the ship from that one uh, kindly fisherman dwarf dude. <laughs> I don't know if you even got a name. So. Yeah. We, we learned from the one uh, kindly fisherman dwarf who was on the ship with you uh, that it was something that would have taken a long time to master and that and then Rems told me what it means and she'll kind of briefly describe what it says on there. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> something along the lines of I have spent a lifetime making this for you and I will love you for as long as it survives along those lines. Yeah, so Nina will do that <laughs> she'll say it's just this this piece was carved with a lot of love and I, I really would feel bad for just keeping it as just trivial loot it's definitely something in the adventurer's line that you kind of keep what you think you deserve from what you find but this this felt too precious to just keep as regular loot and then I believe uh, Rem found something as well so I believe yeah, well the Rem yeah. Was it Nixie? <laughs> I think technically Nixie found it, but passed it off. Yeah, and Rim took it. He's oh, gone. the rock? It's a locket. The, lock the stone locket. It's a, a rock. stone locket. <laughs> Just a rock. It was like a geode that it's, opened or yeah. something. <laughs> that was my head yeah, cannon. I no, I believe that's what happened is Nixie found this like rock on a string, <laughs> didn't find it interesting, and kind of passed it <laughs> off. And Rem was like, well, this thing's mm -hmm. actually like, a, it's, it's a locket with a painting in it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so, you know, just be like, and uh, I believe Rem, our other companion, has the other artifact we found. So we thought it'd be a good deed overall to come here and tell the king and queen what happened and how we found these artifacts. Because we definitely have heard uh, 
Stories about how the tunnels that were near Riven might connect up to the dwarven city here. So there's always the possibility that the two could be connected and perhaps they might have some further insight on why our city was attacked. Because our city was indeed attacked by kobolds and goblins in the middle of the night. So, Or early in the morning, I should say. <laughs> Nina will assume another pose. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> that stuff all seems pretty heavy. How about you say we go in for some breakfast? Yeah, sounds good. I'm getting kind of hungry. You know, shake herself out of the last pose and <laughs> head on in. So at this point, Rem would be about halfway through his breakfast. Ariel has made her way out of her room. Um, you said that you packed everything into your bag. Did you take your bag with you too? So yep. Ariel comes out into the like the the like diner area with everything she owns. Looks like that collector from Labyrinth. Sets the bag down next to Rem, I'm assuming, sitting w- at the table with him. Sure, I was heading to find Tempest. Well, they're walking but back into the room. If We're I saw him first, inside. I probably would sidetrack. I would guess it's probably been around the 40, 45 minutes that we've been yeah. exercising. So, no, yeah, this would be you the. These are all kind of coming in together. Yeah, and Kanina and Tempest are finishing up their conversation as they walk into Lift's End. Oh, you're all, uh, you're all back now, uh, so. The old guy over there, he's already gotten his breakfast. What about the rest of you? Can I get you anything? <laughs> I know you've already gotten a water, uh, uh, tiefling lady. I'm Kanina. <laughs> okay, uh, K- Kanina. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I do anything for you, uh, blue girl and small human lass? What do you have available? Well, what what do you want? I, I can get you some water. I can get you a little bit of goat's milk. I can get you, uh... I mean, I could get you a beer if you're one of the people that likes to drink when you wake up. Uh, there's some cheese, some bread, some stew. If you'd like to pay a little extra, I can I can get some eggs and some bacon made up for you. Maybe some hash browns. You know, um, some potatoes crisped up and mixed together. I'll just take some bread and cheese right now. Some bread and cheese? That'll run you five copper pieces. Yeah, okay, Nina will kind of... Digs in her bag and puts them on the table. Yeah, Nina will interject at that point as well. And she says, oh, that sounds actually really good. And can I get some of that goat's milk, please, too? Wait, which sounds really good? Like, I listed off a lot of things. Well, the same thing to Ariel. When oh, after oh. Ariel had said what she wanted, she, Nina will just be like, yeah, what, um, what Ariel's getting well, sounds pretty good. I'll Bread have that, cheese. too. <laughs> All right, uh, with the goat's milk, uh, seven seven copper pieces. And uh, Blue Lady, what can I get you? At this point, Tempest's stomach is going to growl. <laughs> And um, she will. Would you like the big breakfast? I'll take the hearty breakfast with an ale. So is that like the eggs, the the bacon, and the hash browns, and the ale all together? Yes. You bet your ass. That's gonna run you nine silver pieces. I'll let you subtract that from your D and D Beyond, and you can handle that later. Just write it down that you have spent nine silver pieces. Here, have a writing utensil. <laughs> I'm going to need it back in a little bit, though. Nine silver? Yes. If you give him a gold, he can give you a silver piece back, especially since everyone is, like, paying him right now. He'd just go, okay, so this this here, and then- Keep the change! Even better. So you're giving me a full gold piece. Hey. Yep, there it is right there. And he scoops all the coin from the table. It'll be a couple minutes while I get all of you ready. So you with the, the cheese and the bread first to get. And he takes the like what was left over from Rem's loaf and he just rips it in half. And it's like, okay, the bread and he gets cheese. 
And if you guys would like to take a couple minutes to talk while he gets things ready, or would you guys just like to have your food arrive? Brim will, you know, look up and kind of nod to everybody and then be like, so, I believe today in our order of events here, we should probably get our, uh, our jewelry here appraised at one of the local shops, see if maybe it's either something of a note or something that's just homemade before taking it to the king. I think we should get a little information just so we don't hand him something like, look at this crappy work that some young dwarf made or something like, hey, this was a master's piece of work. Huh, well. And then take it to him knowing that it would give us a little bit more to talk about rather than just showing him rocks for all intents and purposes. Well, I, I feel like since it's dwarven work that they'd, he'd probably understand what craftsmanship is. So. Well, yes, I'm sure he would. But if we show it to a, a professional jeweler, he would say, hey, this is something that was done as a masterwork or this is something that an apprentice was working on and anybody could have made it gives us a little more information about price of what the the thing would be and how important it would be to a family member or something like that hmm, but theron did mention it'd probably be best to just go straight to the king but i suppose that makes sense we'll go well just with nothing hurts with getting more information eh, yeah i suppose that makes sense and at this point theron Walks up, he's he's balanced like the two trays of the, the bread and cheeses on one hand, and he's got an ale with some goat's milk and a glass of water in the other hand, and he lays it out, sets everything in front of you, and he turns to Temp, he's like, your breakfast is going to take another couple minutes, it's, I gotta get it all heated up and cooked first. And then he hums to himself, just a... Theron. Yeah, what? Hi. Where would we find a, a reputable jeweler here? Uh, what are you what are you in the market for? Stonework. Stonework, but you want to see a jeweler, so stone jewelry. Yes. That's an interesting mix. Now, I I don't really know the best. The like. For I'm not looking kinda, for the best. I'm just no, looking I mean, for like, reputable. I don't, I don't know a, a combination that mixes those two together, so I think the best I could direct you to is to the Jewelers Guild. That would be fine. Where, where was that notes, located? Somewhere in my notes, I've got, I've got some <laughs> stuff the about bar. it. Was it the lock and key or something? Uh, the lock and key, I think, was actually an inn inside. I forget if I, if I said is it was an inn or a storefront, but it's somewhere inside the city itself. Yeah. And this is the gate's rest? Because I think lock and key I made an end, because lock and key. This is lift's end. Lift's end. Lift's rest is at the bottom. Bottom. Because <laughs> that's where the lift rests. Lock it. I had one. <laughs> <Yeah>. One <laughs> closer. So yeah, I, I would direct you to the Guild of Jewelers, and uh, maybe the Guildmaster there can tell you maybe a little bit more about what you're after. He would, of course, be the knowledgeable one on that. Me, I just... I run a small little inn, tavern. Oh, I happen to know most tavern keeps are a good source for knowledge. So thank you. I intermediate or intermediary source. Uh, that's that's the right word, I think. <laughs> uh, speaking of finding out where things are, uh, would you happen to know where like a library or a lord? Uh, uh, her breakfast is gonna burn if I don't get back to it real quick. So oh, I'll, sure, I'll be sure. back in a few minutes. Yeah, leave the man alone. When <laughs> I'm so, hungry. So here's some sizzling. Ariel's from bacon. been really quiet. I guess she is normally quiet, but exceptionally quiet. Her hood is up. Oh, hair don't burn on me. Down. And she hasn't really like made much eye contact with you all. And when she spoke to him it was very quiet. 
But when you said library, you guys, if you were paying attention, you would see like her eyes. All right, everyone roll perception. Are you paying attention? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Rem got an 18. Kanina got a 14. And Tempest got a 15. All right. Everyone notices. (laughs) Well, so everybody at the table went, huh? Everyone's paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. Nina would kind of look at her and be like, what's up, Ariel? Um, You okay with your breakfast there? I'd really like to go to the library, too. Yeah, you're pretty book smart, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like the occasional book, but I, I'm more of an action person myself, so... <laughs> be good to have you on the team for when we're looking for the library stuff. Just to have lots of pictures. And Kanina will kind of, like, slowly rest her, like, whatever, wherever Rem is sitting, she'll be, like, put her hand on his shoulder, even if it's, like, across the table. <laughs> and she'll be just like... And, and Rem's gonna come along, too, right? <laughs> gonna be our... You, since you know Dorvish. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm assuming since the library here is going to be written in Dwarvish, we'll need a translator. I'm pretty sure they'll have and, multiple uh, copies of books. They're in slides of plate in front of Tempest. So you were asking about a library? Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, bug you during your cooking. Oh, it, but... it's, it's okay, I just, she paid for it. I didn't want to let her... Tempest is eating very loudly. <laughs> Nina will just raise her... fully open mouth. Neil will raise her already loud voice and just be like, so yeah, we wanted to find a library. (laughs) Oh, you don't have to yell. I'm right here. I'm not deaf yet. I got another like 200 years before I'm going to be going deaf unless something happens. And things do happen. Yeah, I suppose they do for sure. Well, if you're looking for the library, we don't... We don't have like a library like the humans have libraries, but we do have the Guild of Surveyors. And they they keep books, they keep various books. I don't I don't know books too good myself, but I I know that that's somewhere that you could go to ask around. They if you're looking for anything specific, they might be able to point you in the right direction. Ah, huh, that sounds about what we're looking for. Uh, could you tell us maybe where that'd be in location to the uh, Jewelers Guild? Well, you see, you've got the Jewelers Guild. If you follow the the bridge across and you keep going straight. You'll get to the big, like, the big city square, and around the city square are all of the guild houses. And, you know, on the on the inside, you've got a large apartment for all the apprentices, and the guild houses all surround the, the square around the outside of it. And you've got the, 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 the guild of jewelers, and then you got the guild of the smiths and the blades, and the, uh, the let me get my notes, <laughs> and the, uh... The, oh, the the jewelers and the armorers and the arms and the implements and then the surveyors. Oh wow, that's pretty convenient. Everything's just gonna be right there where we need to find it. Yeah, and from there the the guilds they have their own workshops spread out throughout the city. But the the main hub, ev- everything you need should be right in that main center. Oh, perfect. Well, sounds like we'll definitely pass by there anyways on our way to see the king and queen. So we'll get the info we need and then we'll go on our way. Oh, you uh. You're going to try and get an audience with the queen. Oh, uh, or the king. Uh, the, the king is probably going to be your best bet. Oh? Why would you say that? Well, the king's the one that runs the city, and he's the, he's the one that's in charge of everything around here. Hmm. Would he be the one to go see for the uh, lost artifacts that we're trying to... Well, when it, it for artifacts, yeah, I'd I'd go to the king. Uh, the the queen, she doesn't, she doesn't entertain anymore. Oh, is she ill? 
Not physically. Oh, can Not you... all there upstairs? I'm more of a... I shouldn't talk about it. Uh, just, just talk to the king. Oh, well, interesting. Yeah, can you know kind crazy. of look thoughtful at that? But she'll, she'll keep quiet about it. And she'll just be like, "Well, all right. Well, aim for seeing the king then." Too much. <laughs> I should have said that. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go back to munching her food and just be kind of look at Ariel and just be like, "So, Ariel, do you know dwarvish?" Oh. Well, I guess maybe this will be a good time to learn. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Rem was the only one that knows Dwarvish. Well, yeah, but I don't think Kanina knows that, candidly. No. <laughs> but she knows Rem knows because he's the one who translated her bracelet. I can speak and read Elvin, and I can speak and read Celestial. Still don't know how Elvin happened, but okay. And Common. It was her choice. I know. <laughs> she learned it in all of her book studies at the monastery. Yeah, book smarts. It's like... How to speak Elven for dummies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You guys ever meet the elves and Ariel tries to speak Elven to them? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, well, Tempest speaks common, giant, and primordial. (laughs) Primordial? Okay. We're talking to primordial beings. (laughs) I mean, technically, I know Infernal, (laughs) so. (laughs) Yeah, even better. Speak to demons. Isn't that like a racial thing? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Finish up her breakfast and <laughs> Tempest will share all the bacon. Yeah. <laughs> None of the bacon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does this go? You can't just say Tempest <laughs> shares, but then also, no, no, you don't get that. You can each have some. Rem reaches for some, Nina grabs the other. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rem will just finish his stew and bread and then stand up and take everything to the bar. She'll share the eggs. She's not too <laughs> fond of eggs. <laughs> Alright, so if there's nothing else that we need to discuss during breakfast, I think it'd be good for everyone to kind of jump to getting their bags ready and meeting out in front of Lyft's End. Nina will pack up her stuff and then she'll kind of make her way to Thurn a little early and give him a small pouch of spices since he seemed interested in it the night before. <laughs> he he, you You walk over to him and he's like, oh, can I help you? Yeah, uh, since you seem to like the spices that I gave you last night, here, here, here's a small pouch, just, just as a remembrance of me. Oh, and, and he, he picks it up and holds it in front of him. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is this is great. I I really appreciate this. And he pulls out two silver pieces and slides them your way. I, I, I take money for the things that I give people. It's only fair for me to do the same. And he opens the pouch up a little bit. Like what is he? What is he getting? Like like heat spice or yeah, like... heat spice. It's it's definitely a little bit more on the spicy side, but it still has flavor to it. So it's like you can you can smell the spice. But... Okay, so chipotle's <laughs> pretty much yeah. So she'll just be like, remember, just just like a pinch here and there. Don't use too much of it at once. Otherwise, unless unless you really like spicy things. And he's just sniffing the packet. <sighs> oh, this this is gonna have some some flavor to it. It's gonna gonna. Cayenne, smoked paprika, yeah. dried garlic. <laughs> I I thank you very much for this. I'm gonna and he he like opens up a little little like breast pocket, tucks it in, pats his chest. Yeah, you know, take the two silver and just be like, yep, just use it in moderation here and there, and you should be good to go. <laughs> and then this might be a whole new leg for my business. <laughs> I might have to talk to you on your way out. We'll see how things go, depending on how long you're here. Sure. Have you, uh, have make you... sure you, if you're here a couple days, swing by on your way out. Yeah, I'll be sure to do so. So Rim is going to, you know, when he goes back into the room, he's going to throw his chain shirt actually on. He didn't have it on. 
Um, but he's going to leave his shield and his war pick, um, like the shield strapped to his pack, and the war pick's kind of tucked in with it. So he's not actively holding them. So if they got into a fight, I'd have to take that into account. All right. How, how does everyone else want to go for arms and armor? Ariel? Um, I don't have armor. Are you going to cast no. mage armor? All right. Kanina? She'll get her usual ensemble on and stuff, and you know she'll make sure her spells and stuff are ready. But beyond that, she doesn't really have much on her. Tempest? She's wearing her leathers like she always is. Weapons. Carrying her bow. She doesn't leave her bow anywhere. What, is it like strapped it to your back or, or like in a quiver? All right. Like you wear your bow. Yeah. Kanina will be taking everything so the, with the, her. The weapon users will have to spend time if they get into a fight. Ariel has no need for mage armor because nobody's told her what is coming. Nothing's coming. We're going to the jeweler. I was just saying there's been other times that like we said that you automatically cast it in the morning. I don't have mage armor, so I wouldn't cast it anyways. But <laughs> but yeah. All right. So oh, you didn't take that. Everyone makes their way out to the bridge to cross the 200-foot chasm into Sterengeld proper. So the way the bridge works is there walls, so you can't see down. There's half walls, just like it's 25 feet wide, 20 feet wide, or 20 feet wide. And if you walk down the center of it, your point of view will not show you down. Right. What I'm trying to figure out is if Ariel would realize that it's down. Right, because she hasn't looked over the, co- the yeah, edge if yet, too. you walked to the edge I of the bridge looked... and looked over the wall, yes. We if just you won't let you get you to the edge. show that far. Yeah. Well, Nina will, you know, knowing Ariel didn't like the lift coming up Keep her here, talking. Just keep her talking. Well, Nina will basically do her raised voice. Hook her in and an arm be, and just walk her down the middle of the bridge. Like, do as best as she can, you know, being her 5'5 five, five self and Ariel's taller than her, you know, basically arm around her. And, <laughs> and is this like a stone bridge? Yes. 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 Okay. It's not like a rickety Shrek Well, bridge. I was wondering if It'd it was be... like... Like, like looking down, well, rope you, like, and as wood. far as like what she would, it, she could equate it to walking on a bridge that crosses a river. You would not know how far down it goes. Like, yeah, like yeah. or one that we would drive across. Yes, basically. So Nina, having looked down with Tempest the night before, will know that it's a drop and knows that you haven't seen that it's a drop yet. So across the bridge, she'll just be like, you know, kind of not, not making it obvious, but like kind of arm around you and just be like, so Ariel, like, how many books would you say you've read in your lifetime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll just talk about books and the. Ariel will start naming it. books that were like her favorites. Yeah. And, and Nina, will, Nina will pick out the ones that sound interesting to her. Probably things that are more action y themed or more like adventure themed or something like that. And she'll just be like, that sounds interesting. What's that about? And Ariel's very just like, oh, um, no, 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 no. Like just talking. Rim just... will definitely walk up to the edge and look over and be like, meh. Ariel. Talking. Roll perception with disadvantage. <laughs> That's good. It means you won't notice. Or if she does. Well, one of them's a 20. <laughs> okay. Disadvantage. Disadvantage means you take the lower. I don't know what it is. Roll it again. Does it look? It looks cracked. Roll it again. It was either 11 or 6. It was on an edge. 20. It's a 20. <laughs> God damn it. She noticed. She noticed me what? Well, walk? Rem, Rem walks over to the, the side of the bridge, looks down, and just goes, huh, yeah, that's a drop. I didn't say it was dry. one. I'm just going to walk back to the middle and say anything about it. She noticed you look over the edge. Yeah. She hasn't asked me anything. She's going to go look over the edge. And she notices Rem walk to the side as you guys are walking and will look straight down, kind of huff at it. And what you're seeing as you kind of look out to both sides is endless black. 
outside of the range of the torches that are placed every 40 feet. And many, many hundreds of feet off to the left and right of the bridge, you see little specks of light. And you see the specks of light as they drop lower and lower down the wall. And you are about three quarters of a way across the bridge. Nina still has her arm around Tara. If she notices her any change at all, like stiffing up or slowing down, she will forcefully kind of push her with her arm forward. <laughs> the iron grip of friendship. <laughs> well, I think because Ariel's in conversation with Nina and talking about books and stuff that was of her own interest, and because he didn't say anything about heights or drop or whatever, like she would want to say, you know, ask Rem, like, what's over there type of thing, but it would really depend on how much Nina keeps her talking. Because she's not going to want to be rude. curiosity is peaked, but she's not going to be rude. Do I need a roll for, like, yeah. charisma or something? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be rude. What I would think is rude to Nina. And Nina's definitely looking very excited about our conversation because, as I've stated, <laughs> Nina's not really a bookworm, not like Chantel is. <laughs> Nina is, uh, so she's... So... Based on the nature of the conversation, I'm going to say go ahead and roll deception with advantage because she's interested, but you are trying to deceive her. Yeah. So maybe if you roll poorly, you falter at like a key moment. <laughs> oh, good. I, I Wow. I have high deception because I have high charisma. <laughs> 19. Then yeah, a- Ariel keeps right with the conversation and you guys make it across the bridge. And there is a similar half wall that runs around pretty much the entire perimeter of the platform you guys are on. So knowing that he said that we had to go to the uh, square, right? Mm-hmm. Did he give us like kind of a direction to where that is? Yeah, he said like straight across the bridge. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know if like he was just like, yeah, go across the bridge and it's over there somewhere or if it's like... No, he said straight across the bridge and you'll get to the the square where all the guilds are around it. Like like with the, the like kind of overview map that I've given, the square is like the opposite side of the platform that you guys are on, but it is a straight line. Right. So looking around the square now that we are on, can I, is there like signage for the different guilds? So you walk straight through all the way to the square? Yep. Yeah, I'm just walking across the I mean, we'll be looking around, see if there's anything interesting or of note, but other than that, we're heading straight to the square. Uh, Just along the way, you see a couple smaller shops. You hear a few areas where it's obvious that craftsmen are at work, heads down. You pass by a couple like small forges where they're melting down their own materials and forging them into ingots so that they can use them. Nina will kind of look at the the fire with interest, (laughs) but otherwise not detour. You continue your way down and you enter the square of Sterengeld. As for any signage, um, it wouldn't Actually, there probably would be uh, dwarven runes to kind of highlight each each guild. So you would see, like, you have the um, the Guild of Jewelers, which has, like, in the main entrance of it. The Guild of Jewelers is a circular building with, like, if you were to picture it, a like a C, except going in a loop up instead of having the opening on the right. The opening would be on the bottom. Like, the walls form a C. 
and then in the center of those is an open area that has a big domed roof with a hole in the middle. And in the center of that, there is like a sign that has a like amulet hung from the sign and a couple dwarven runes that Rem would notice being like jewelry or jeweler or like gem. Okay. And as you... Do I also notice the Surveyor's Guild? And and as you look around, there's like each building has a shape that you may not notice from the ground level that correlates to the guild, but they also all have like the uh, Armorer's Guild has a like breastplate hung with armor in runes next to it. Then there's a long sword for the Arms Guild with the word arms next to it. Implements has two crossed pickaxes and the surveyors has like an ornate scroll case. Okay, so looking at all the cases, he'll kind of point them out to everybody and list them and be like, you know, he's like, obviously that's armor, arms, implements, jewelers, and that over there is a surveyor. And part of that is because though this is a dwarven city, they know that they are a place of commerce and merchants will come up. So they have kind of the, the picture to tell people <laughs> that don't know what it is. It's like, oh, that's where I buy jewelry. That's where I buy swords. Question. Answer. Possibly I have answer. a silver cup in my inventory. Does it have any runage on it or is it just a silver cup? I believe I said it was just a silver cup, not the highest quality yeah. make. But it won't kill me with lead poisoning. No. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And I think sure. I said it was worth. Actually, I don't know if I gave you I don't think you, you gave me a worth, but you just said it was just a plain silver cup. No magic. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll look at everybody and be like, so I want to head to the Jewelers Guild. Did we want to split up or all of us go to one? You guys obviously had some interest in the Surveyors Guild. Well, if you want, I can take the bracelet. And I can go to the Jewelers Guild, and you guys can go there, and I'll catch up with you in a little bit, or we could all head to one and then the other. Oh, uh, well, I'd rather keep track of the bracelet. I'm definitely curious to see maybe what it's worth, since I'm definitely one of the ones who found it. So right. if anything, I would say if Ariel and Tempest wanted to go to the Surveyors Guild, and then we can meet them up there. Libraries are boring. As you guys are stopped in the center of the square, there is one feature that really stands out. Mm-hmm. And in the center of the square, which is more circular than square, is a very large fountain, like 25 to 30 feet in diameter. And the, the center of the fountain has a pillar that is over 10 feet tall that has water cascading out on the sides. But in the center of this tower based on what you see, it would be a like three to five foot hole and pouring directly through the center of that is a small, steady lava flow. That's cool. Sounds like stuff we've made in Minecraft. <laughs> I think that during the conversation of where people are going, Ariel pretty much knows where she's going. So, And she, she pretty much knows that they want to go to the jeweler. So she's just going to start heading to where he pointed out the surveyor is. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, eh, all right. So Nina will look at her and just be like, oh, well, I guess we'll meet you up in a, meet up with you in a bit, Ariel. Hey, Tempest. You want to keep an eye on her and keep her out of trouble? But libraries are so boring. They might have some picture books. Or who knows, maybe they need some more knowledge about uh, seafaring folk and they'll be willing to interview you for some coin. Fine. (laughs) 
you know, put like pat your shoulder a little bit and just like, well, we'll see you in a bit. We might be meeting up with you shortly. That might need time to check out our jewelry or something. So we'll see you in a bit. And she'll head off with, start heading off with Ren toward the jeweler's area. Before they walk off, she would ask Nina, is there anything you wanted me to look for since you were the one that wanted to go to the library? We were looking for information about dragons and lore and mythology about old gods, things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe any old legends about ancient axes or something. I don't Rimmel, know. <laughs> Rimmel pull out the scroll he has that has, the, or piece of cloth he has that has the picture or the rune of Doiton on it. And he'll hand it to her and be like, you can look for, see if they know anything about this. Okay. Okay, yeah. So we'll split the party, go our separate ways. Rem and Nina will go to the Jewelers Guild, and Tempest and Ariel will go to the Guild of Surveyors. All right. Ariel and Tempest, you guys approach the building that Rem had pointed out is the Guild of Surveyors. And it is a fairly narrow building that, as you guys enter the double doors in the front, is a very long building. And along both walls are just rows and columns of books, scrolls, stone tablets. And shortly after you enter, there is a small entryway about 30 feet by the 60 feet width of the building. And there is a a young, young young-ish female dwarf is sitting behind a bench at the kind of entryway and she has a very interesting headpiece on it's got like one like it's got a set of lenses that flip up and down over her eyes and one is like a stack of varying lenses that can be swapped in and out that are various colors and the other side is like a telescoping lens she's wearing a like dark brown leather vest with various pockets, different writing implements, brushes, a magnifying glass. Can I help you? Yeah. Um I was I was here to see if you have anything that I can read about possibly dragons? Dragons? Red red dragons? Dragons like the the children's books. Anything you have. Uh let me take a look and see what I can find for you. She pulls out like she you see her like dip down below the counter pulls out a couple scrolls pulls one out rolls it open dragons 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 uh, okay rolls it up this way walks you towards the back and climbs up on one of the the, the usual uh, librarian ladders slides it over to a section crawls up Pulls out a relatively small book, moves it to another section, crawls up, pulls out a scroll, and well, you'll be reading these here. Yeah, I, th- I have some time to kill, so I'm okay. Like it now that you guys are in the main area of the building, you can see just there are there are these big, massive tables, like twenty feet by ten feet, just. Every, like, they're spaced evenly going down the way with a center area as, like, a walkway. And the nearest one to the section you guys are at doesn't have people on at least half of the table. So she sets them down. Okay, then this will be your area. And I've got to go get a couple other things for you. Moves the 
ladder over, climbs up, and she ends up bringing you a small stone tablet as well. Ariel is going to dig right in and just start reading as much as she can, learn what she can. Okay. The she she unless Tempest speaks up, she starts to walk back to the front desk. And Tempest would pull out the fabric that Rem gave her and just oh wait, one second. Um would you happen to know if you have any information on this or uh, that's not a rune I recognize, but I could ask around and see if any of the guild members know anything about it. That would be great, thank you. She takes it from you and you see her walk off towards the back instead. And she'll sit with Ariel. And twiddle your thumbs while she reads intensively. <laughs> okay. The stone Help tablet. Her go through that, whatever she's looking at. The stone tablet that was brought down is written entirely in dwarvish. The book is mostly in dwarfish with a few pictures and annotations. This is why we were supposed to bring Rem. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that you are seeing as you flip through the, like, through the first couple pages of the books are you see, like, a mountain with a winged creature around the outside. Dragons live in the mountains is annotated underneath it. Uh, a couple more pages, and you see, like, that the head of a dragon with, like, fire coming out of its face, and you see, like, beware of breath weapons. Another picture is, like, just a subsection of scales that say, um, like, hardened leather, like, hardened scales above leathery flesh as hard or harder than our finest steels, yet um, flexible and malleable. So you're kind. Of, this one's kind of like a here's things that that are like believed about dragons, and the scroll itself is significantly more in common, and it is actually a legend. It isn't about a red dragon, but it tells the tale of an ancient white dragon and the gods uh, Dunatis and uh, Goibnu. It was a rider for this great ancient white dragon had sought out Dunatis in the Endless Peaks got into a fight with him and nearly killed the god in his home before being vanquished from Kalistra by the help of the other gods. And Goibnu, which is one of the, a god of healing and smithing, saved Dunatus and brought him back to life and the legend in the scroll ends with the coupling of Dunatis and Goibnu. Well, she's gonna um, still just study what, what she's learned, maybe try to piece things together as far as like words and um, look at all the pages even more closer, I don't know. And uh, then when she's feels like she's not really getting anything. She's going to 
stack them up and go back up to the lady and ask her if she, uh, actually I'd be like, hey, um. Well, before you would be able to, to go up to her because it would take you a while to go through all of this. Yeah. Um, at some point she would make her way back to you with a older kind of middle-aged, uh, dwarf with jet black hair that she leaves long and flows down her back. Um, she walks up to you and she is wearing a very similar garb to the first dwarf, only hers is all like jet black. Uh, it looks like a thicker, sturdier leather that is trimmed in gold with some fancy scroll work. And she sits down across from where you and Tempest are and sets the uh, sets the little bit of cloth down in between the two of you. So, I was asked about this symbol. What do the two of you know about it? Um, we found this when we were raiding a kobold, uh, and a kobold grouping, and, um, we, I know that it's something about Doiton's symbol, but we're looking into more about it. Doiton. Now that is a name that you don't hear these days. What do you know of him? I know pretty much nothing of him. Um, that's why I'm asking you. All right. Rem and Kanina, you guys enter the Guild of Jewelers. What do we see? So you guys enter, um, because it's the open area, I imagine you would be entering into these, the, the like open circular area with the domed roof. The first person to speak up is a fairly young for a dwarf, um, older than Thurin is, but you can definitely tell like if you were to compare her probably in her younger to mid thirties in human years, she is working on a like very intricate, small silver clockwork piece. She sees you guys. Oh, hello. The two of you come here, come here. So Rim will walk over. Yeah, Nina will walk over and she'll be kind of boisterous and be like, Hi there! Hello, uh, you guys are new to the city. Hello. Yeah, we're from the Adventurer's Guild in Riven. Oh, you guys are a long way from home. Yes. Well, what can the Guild of Jewelers do for you? We were hoping we could speak with somebody about stone-worked jewelry. Nina will hold up her arm and kind of show her, like, specifically something like this. Oh, that is... Marvelous. I don't specialize. Marvelous, you say? Extremely, exceptionally. Let me grab Ulvin. So as she leaves the room, Rim will look at Kanina, kind of give her the little nod and be like, I think this was a good idea. Yeah, we've definitely heard that it's valuable in the past. So. Well, to have a dwarf of the guild say it's marvelous work shows that this wasn't something that was uh, just made by a... Uh, and coming out from the very lover. back room is a very old dwarf. Like, we are talking, in comparison to human years, like upper 80s, lower 90s. He has... Several hundred years old. Yes. 
several hundred years old. He has like he walks with a staff in a hunched over position with like white scraggly hair that looks like it hasn't been groomed in decades. And he kind of hobbles over to you. And the the woman that was speaking to you before has like her arm underneath his other hand and is helping support him as he walks and leads him over to you guys. And there is a table next to where she was working, a, a workbench that is cleared off and she leads him over to it. And then beckons the two of you over to it. Come here, come so here. As, as you know, as Rim approaches, seeing both the the, the wizened status of this man and the fact that he obviously is probably higher up in the guild, he will uh, use a you know traditional dwarven greeting for a, an elder slash you know master. At that, you see both of their eyes light up a little bit to be greeted in dwarven by a human in their own lands. And he responds to you and just, oh, oh, familiar with our language. A bit. I can appreciate that. Conversational. Though, if it would please you, we will speak in common. All right. As as you wish. And he give he, he kind of returns a, a a respectful greeting in Dwarven to you as well. Nina, while this is, they're interchanging, she'll kind of, you know, gently take the bracelet off and kind of prepare it. hold on to the locket for now and keep it about the bracelet for a while. So, as the bracelet hits the table and the dwarf's eyes fall to it, he, like, snaps his eyes up in Kenya's direction. Where did you get this child? Uh, we found it in some tunnels right off of Riven. Uh, some kobolds and goblins had gotten a hold of it. He picks it up in shaky hands. It's just like, does it say? It does. You need to take this to the king now. Is is this something of you importance? You need to take this to the king now. All right. Uh, of course. I know this bracelet. Y- you know this? And, um, is it is it a masterwork? Well, she'll be think back to the conversation she had on the ship with uh, the dwarf on the ship who had said, you know, about the age of the dwarf who had made it. And she'll kind of, you know, taking in that he is, you know, an older dwarf at about the appropriate age of maybe who had crafted it. She'll just look at him just like, do you know who made this? I do. The dwarf that made this could have taken my place when I pass. Could have if he hadn't disgraced this race. I see. Oh. Uh, Could you possibly write us a a writ to the king to let him know about this? I'm I'm sure he would take your word over ours. And can you go ahead and roll perception? 19. Eight. Uh, Rem, you said you got 19? Yes. You notice, like, uh, it probably makes sense. Kanina is more focused on, like, the, on the bracelet itself and watching the, the dwarf. And he has, like, kind of, like, very gingerly set it back down on the table in between you. But Rem, as he's asking for a writ and kind of looking up at their face, at um, the old dwarf's face, notices the female that had gone with him and had been standing behind him with like a hand on his back. Her her face is red and you can see that beneath her calm surface, she is furious. Okay. Keep an eye on her. 
Nina will kind of be, you know, probably somewhat shocked about hearing how the maker of the bracelet is somehow disgraced the entire race, so she'll just be kind of slightly shocked to hear that. Rem's going to gently reach out and kind of grab the bracelet and slide it closer to Nina. And he... Of, of course, I I understand you, you need a way to see the king if it's going to be, even though the bracelet would be plenty and he... Well, it's just... I'm he, sure that the king like, would be more appropriate if it was coming from, from someone as notable as you. And the, the dwarf, uh, the, the woman behind him, has reached over to her workbench and pulled, like, just a scrap piece of paper, and she pulls a, like, very fancy uh, silver-made knot quill um, that has a gold inlay on it and hands it to him, and he scrawls out a quick note in Dwarven. Before uh, he finishes, Rim's going to be like, and, and one more, and he's going to reach into his pocket and pull out the locket and sit down the table. We found this as well. I'm not, not sure if it's as important, but it's a it's a locket we found. It, it holds a painting. Didn't didn't have a name to go with the face. A, a painting. He, like, he, he very, like, cautiously puts a hand on it, opens it so that he can seize it, and just lays it closed. Yes. Is this something along the same lines as the bracelet? It is. Was it made by the same person? No. Mm. All right. I ask you to go now. He's going to take the lock and be like, sorry, we did not mean to disturb you. We were hoping this would be better news, but uh, we will definitely take this to the king. Caitlin, take me back to my chambers. I need to rest. She helps him stand up and brings him back to the back of the the building. As they disappear, Grim's going to lean over and be like, Nina, I... I think you should put that back on your wrist and uh, cover I, it. I don't think I'll put it on my wrist. I'll put it in well, a pouch. So. Keep it someplace safe. Well, yeah. Before you had said that, Nina had already started grabbing it. I was going to put it in a pouch. But he's like, so. he's still watching the girl leave. Like he's a little wary of her. He's going to roll up the writ, kind of stuff it into a pocket. The Re- Rem can read Dwarven. Yeah. I mean, there there was no real way for him to try and disguise it from you, but. It just says that um, they carry news of Brom and Sylved. Let them see Elmgard. Brom? Brom and Sylved. Sylved? Yes. So he'll he'll uh, you know, roll that up after giving it a quick read and stuff it in a pocket, and then he's going to kind of usher Nina out and be like, we should we should head over to the Surveyor's Guild and see how the, uh, the ladies are doing. Yeah, for sure. Nina will still be kind of looking troubled, and she'll put the bracelet gingerly, like, into a pouch by itself, and, you know, she won't be as thrilled about wearing it on her wrist anymore, so... <laughs> All right. With he, that... And as he walks out, he's going to make sure that, like, you know, the, the younger dwarf isn't, like, spreading news very quickly to the guild or anything. As far as you see before you leave is she has taken him back to, like, where you saw him come from. Kind of as he heads out the door, he's going to give a thank you and everything in Dwarven again. Shut the door. Yeah, Nina will, you know. There's no door. You're in an open area. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I didn't Make a door and shut it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nina Nina will, you know, bid them farewell in common. <laughs> and then head over towards the uh, Surveyor's Guild. All right. So, Rem and Tempest make their way, or Rem and Kanina <laughs> make their way over to the Guild of Surveyors. So, Tempest and Ariel are sitting at this this long table talking to the dwarf uh, about this symbol 
And she kind of looks up and goes like, what do you know of this symbol? Uh, well, I don't really know very much about uh, about it. That's why I'm asking you. And as she says that, just something clicks in her head and she has maybe looking at that symbol again because she's not the one that has had it. But so she hasn't really seen the little piece of fabric and uh, for a long time. And so she's just like, she looks down at it as she says that and it just clicks in her head. The meeting when we were told that this is a symbol of Doiton and Doiton being a red dragon. And then the words red dragon in her head go straight to uh, the dream that uh, Nina told her about. Just the little bits that she said, um, which then leads to the most recent dream that she had. And she just goes, he's a a red, Doiton's a red dragon. And that's, that's all she said. Like, she's just, like, now just staring at the table, just, like, going over everything in her head. Epiphany! So it finally yeah. clicked in Ariel's head what the entire campaign is about. Got Pretty it. much. <laughs> uh, can Nina and Rem, at this point, like, walk into the Guild of Surveyors and kind of see Ariel having a bit of a freak out? How does Tempest react to this? I mean, she... T- it, it seems like Ariel kind of just went into a panic of he's a red dragon and just shut down. She would probably be kind of confused because, like, other than what Kanina's told her, she doesn't really know. So she just go with it? Does she ask questions? But, and then, like, Rem just handing her this piece of fabric and being like, look this up, and then, like... <laughs> Ariel apparently going into a catatonic state because she figured out what it was and she's just like, okay, so what are we getting ourselves into here? And this is where Rem and Kanina kind of approach the table as Tempest is saying, what are we getting ourselves into? So Rem's going to see that she's mute and staring into the distance. Tempest I, I have lost. this like picture in my head of her characters just sitting there just like, like mouthing, just like, <laughs> Looking down at the table, eyes just glowing, just like space cadet, like <laughs> lost in space. I, I, and I think that the, the the dwarf that is talking is, uh, is she is she okay? <laughs> yeah, the poor, the poor woman who's trying to help us is just like like I know that this is a big thing, but are, are, and she like puts a hand on Ariel's hands. Are you okay, dragon, dragon, dragon? Uh, 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 yeah. Um. So, like, with the one hand, she kind of covers up the symbol and scoops it to the (laughs) side. Uh, so, what, what, I didn't find really anything that I could understand in those books, and what, what do you know about, about dragons, and, and Doiton, and, and just, everything. Calm down. Someone's gonna be looking around. Books? Dragons are a thing of myth. I, I... I'm starting to, to disagree with everybody that says that. <laughs> Ariel's freaking out. So on a, on Rim, a s- Rim's going to be like looking at Ariel and looking, you know, over at the lady and be like, is, is Doyton mentioned anywhere in your, your, uh, your stacks here? 
Oh, that would take me a long time to figure out if I could find anything. Um, I do believe that have, have one you... of my helpers has already found some of the, the records that we have involving the dragons. All right. Have you heard of any uh, cults, dragon cults, possibly following Doiton? Uh, cults worshipping these mythical creatures pop up every once in a while. I haven't gotten word of one recently uncovering worship of Doitan, but it's kobolds. It's possible. Then kobolds would be the ones that are most responsible for... Goblins. Now that, that is weird. Goblins. Goblins normally don't worship dragons. They normally worship the more orcish deities. And Nina, at this point, will kind of recover from her awe of looking around at all the books. Did they have a library like this in Riven? In the guild or anything like that? Well, this isn't even like a... Well, it's not like a library library per se, but it has, you know, stuff. It's a lot of knowledge. There would have been something similar in the guild in Riven, but not to this size. And it would have been broken up a lot more, like, especially because, like, Riven has, like, it's guild that's tied to studies of magic, mm-hmm. so things would have been broken off into like various certain studies that like a certain professor or high level mage mm-hmm. would be like would have their like ten or so books. So a great library like this where it's just rows of books and scrolls and tomes and slabs of written record wouldn't be something that Kanina has really seen before. Yeah, so at that point, yeah, Nina that she has seen in yeah. the guild. Well, while Nina's talking to this lady, he Brim's going to look down at the the books and stuff that were brought over because you said some of them were in dwarvers that they couldn't read. He's going to be looking down at the uh the the scrolls, tomes, tablets or whatever were put in front of them and just kind of scanning them really quick to see if he on the dwarven side of things can read anything. Can Ariel see the piece of fabric that had the Doiton symbol. Well, she Not anymore. Moved it off to the side, so you wouldn't be seeing it. And I didn't. Rene I didn't see where it moved. It she just kind of like. She's just gonna grab one of the books that she had already looked at, I guess, that is sitting there, and quickly read through it again. Well, now she's because she just made the connection of Doiton. She's just gonna try to like go through and see if she can find that symbol anywhere in the book, in the in any of the materials that were brought to her. And she's just like. She can start mapping out the. No. <laughs> the she could probably theory. do that all in her head. <laughs> yeah, she will get out her journal and uh, jot down anything that she might feel is important. Probably draw what she can remember of that symbol. Okay, so <laughs> the tablet is the oldest record that is sitting in front of Rem. Ooh. The names on the tablet are a mixture of names and colors. There is. A Giadoc with black written next to it. Gaoth with blue written next to it. Slainte with brass written next to it. Tintriac for bronze. Snemha for copper. Tias for gold. Nim is green. Doiton is red. Rio for silver. And Fuar as white. And that's all that's written on the tablet is just the names and colors? Mm-hmm. There's, there's room on it, but s- stuff that is, like, it, it is damaged beyond being able to read it. Okay, so there's nothing, like, on the backside that says, like, dragons are us. 
<laughs> Dragon's Aura. Okay. Rem will basically put his hand on that tab and kind of slide it closer to the middle of the table. And be like, this has dragon names on this. It does. Is this from a collection or a place? There is a legend that tells of ancient times in which these are the mothers and fathers of the myth that we know today. The mothers and fathers of the dragons. That is what they tell. And Doiton is on this tablet. Yes. And that is how occasionally his name will crop up and creatures will worship him thinking that he is real. Where, where is the, where did this tablet come from? It's something that was unearthed centuries, millennia ago. Where? I'm not sure. That is something beyond my age. I could look into it for you if you must know. It, I think it might be some information we would like. If you could, if you discover anything, just pass the word on to the guild. Which guild? The Adventurer's Guild in, in Riven. Because you haven't been here to tell her that yet. No. Oh. I thought they said that. I don't know if they did. No, but they didn't. No, okay. nope. I said it to the jewelers. Uh, yeah, so to pass this on any any knowledge that anything that Doyton's name has touched to the to the adventurer's guild. And before she walks off uh, or anything like that, she'll Nina will kind of interject and just be like, uh, "What about I don't know, say a weapon that's involved with some of these dragons' names, specifically an axe for Doyton?" Ariel, go ahead and roll a history check with advantage. 21. Okay. Ariel, having had just read through this scroll less than five minutes ago, um, as you say that, picks up, like, like, realizes that she had seen the rider that was associated with, um, the dragon in Dunatus's story was wielding a large war hammer. Um, in this scroll that I read, there's a the rider of this of the dragon uh, carries a war hammer. Huh. I wonder. I wonder. Uh, I guess. I wonder if one of these dragon names on this tablet is has to do with that. There's none named Dunatus. <laughs> the the dwarf, as Rem says this, chuckles and she's like, "Do you not know the gods of your world?" Hmm. I'm lost. Dunatus is the god of mountains. Hmm. He is like the he is he is what the dwarves believe is their creator. Hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. I was taking notes, and I know I wasn't here for the story, but you had said something about Dunatus fighting the white dragon. And being, I think, I, I think, and I grievously the injured. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So me not knowing that, but you having mentioned that you read a story about the Warhammer and the White yeah. Dragon. Yeah. I'll just be like. So then Rim could have said, "There's no Dunatus on here." She's asking about the White Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't the White. Ariel tells the, reads the story and tells the story, and uh, makes reference to the hammer mm-hmm. and the rider being having the hammer, mm-hmm. and. Um, huh. I, I'm wondering if maybe there was a writer for the, for the red dragon and as you look at me suspiciously, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm one, I wonder if they're, you know, that's what the act is. So you think, uh, maybe this, this hammers for 
Was there a picture on the book she was reading or the scroll or something? Oh, yeah. The, the scroll was like, I don't know if it's a real thing or if it's just things that I'm projecting because of things I've seen in movies. But I'm picturing like an old like Chinese or Japanese scroll that is like laid out and it's got pictures interlaced with the text. So, like, every couple feet or so, there'd be a picture depicting the scene. It's like an illuminated scroll. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, so Nina will kind of look at that and just be like, so, since we didn't find a war hammer, and maybe this hammer is associated with this rider and this dragon, maybe the axe we found is associated with... Doitan. Yeah. So, you you, you said you have a story about a, a white dragon. Did it name it? Okay, he hasn't read it and has not been there for the entire time you've read it. I you're, pick you're... up the scroll and open it and show you. Here you go. Because I said I just read it out loud. <laughs> to all of us. Yeah, she oh. did say she read it. I, <laughs> I heard she read it, but I thought she was like reading it. I actually don't think I gave the name in that. Okay. I think I just said the white dragon. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I, I was, but well, putting... Because Rem is specifically asking, does it name the dragon? I, yeah. I think I just yeah. said so it's you the white like, dragon. Nope. Yeah, you just said white dragon. White dragon. Okay, so... Rim will be like, there is mention of a white dragon on this tablet, and I was wondering if the name correlated to anything in that scroll. What's the name of the white dragon? Fuar. Fuar? Isn't that how you said it? Fuar. Fuar, but I think it's funny. Rem, this is a... a, (laughs) Running theme? Well, this is a thing that Rem is reading that is written in a different language, a word that he would have never seen before, so he, he probably is seeing going... I think it's foo r, foo r, foar. And you said the scroll. Like this one right here. It wasn't just all common. It was common and other things. Or you said it was mostly common. So what does that mean? It was like over ninety percent common. Like this. Would I see foar at all? No. I I don't see anything that talks about that. I guess it might be a bit of a stretch. Just says a white dragon. A white dragon that fought Dunatus. Or was he the writer? The, the dwarf woman is is sitting here and just like, do you guys know any of the legend that you are reading about? No. Well, in the place we grew up, like, was it Ulsir and the valley that I was from and stuff? Would, and especially having my old grandpa gnome dude who liked to tell stories, would I have heard anything about something like this, maybe? It's, it's one of those things where I don't know if he would have gone, like, because Kanina was still fairly young so i don't know if he would have gone too in depth into the legend Mm -hmm. but there is a chance that that he might have given kind of origin to some of the stories that he had told so what kanina probably doesn't know like the actual legend but probably does know of the existence of the dragon wars Hmm. dragon wars what is what does tempest think about all this she is being very silent for the fact that they are talking huge shit right now. <laughs> and she's just like, this is adventure. <laughs> There's too many books here. I don't care here. about any of this. No. <laughs> no, this whole time, she's just sort of been like sitting there all wide-eyed, like bouncing back and forth in between who's talking, just taking it all in. Cause this is a lot of information for her to take in too. Like, would Tempest have heard does any she, sailor stories? <laughs> does she ask questions? Would I know anything about rumors, hearsay, drunken tales? <laughs> Other than the stories from when I was a child? You would know one of the names that 
actually, did, did Rem, did you read those out loud in common? Or did, the names were you of the just names? reading? Or were you just reading them to yourself? He just read them really quickly to himself, but like he's pointed out their names of dragons. He just hasn't named all of them. Okay, in Dwarven. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. He didn't read it out loud. Like he just looked so at the tablet. So that's a no. Like, These are names. No. Yeah. So there goes that. <laughs> See, that's the thing, especially being someone that is that has spent so much time as a sailor. I feel like the the things that that would be talked about for you would be less about dragons and more about things like krakens but there is one there is one legend so i'm going to have you roll a history check i'm going to give you advantage for your sailorship to see if it's a story that may have like maybe when you were maybe when you were first like brought onto the ship three or so years ago they told you is like a fear story for history 20 Nice. Wow. Perfect. Tempest knows of a, like, it's hard to call it, like, like legend or myth, but it's more of a thing where once upon a time, Tempest asked, why doesn't the Whispering Winds sail close to the mists or through the mists? And at that point, her and Seeks had a conversation about ships do not get near the mists because ships that have gone into the mists often do not come back. Those that do have said that they have encountered massive winged beasts on an isle weeks out at sea that breathed lightning and like it basically as the mists opened up they they'd find themselves in this strange isle with dragons swarmed around them and those are just the ones that managed to come back and they've largely been chalked up to being crazy because by the time they get back basically dying of starvation and dehydration because they have spent so long out at sea just trying to make it back to land again are often thought to be crazy, but it is enough that this is why the ships do not sail into the mists, because most do not come back, and those that do cannot live a normal life anymore. Gotcha. On top of, you know, the Krakens. <laughs> so, Nino, look at the tablet, I suppose, that Rem was eyeballing, just be like, so which one's Doiton? He'll point to a rune, like, that one. It looks like that. And he'll hold up the no, it doesn't. Yeah, I was going to no, say, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she'll look at that and I guess she'll... Especially been a lot because easier what you have isn't a full shape. Oh. Okay, so she'll she'll look at it and I guess she'll, I don't know, write her own note of what the name looks like. Ariel does too. And if, at that point, basically, out. he'll just he'll go down the list and point at each one name and color. And, and Ariel's just going through, <laughs> writing it down. It's like, wow, I didn't realize there were so many names and types for stories that we don't really hear too often anymore. So Rem goes through and lists all the names. One name that stands out to Tempest is the name Tintriac. The bronze. Bronze. The reason that Tintriac stands out is because there is rumor of kind of interestingly tied in with the last bit of information for her 
of a pirate ship, one of the few vessels that has been able to sail into the mists and return is named Tintriac's Wing. It is a blue dragonborn is the captain of the ship, and it is thought that this pirate captain is blessed by Tintriac, and that is the reason that they are able to venture into the mists and return unharmed, seemingly. So figuring out or thinking that we figure out that uh, the wielder of the hammer is linked to the white dragon um, of some sort, uh, Ariel's going to ask if she has any of uh, the lady that's helping us, if she has any information on that one as well. On what one? Tindriac? Foir. Foir. Uh, Foir, or any white dragon, um, and rider of the white dragon, and also if there's any information on a rider of Doitun. Just the things that have come up in legend. I mean, you have read the the legend of the battle between Foir and Dunatis, as well as how... Dunatus and Goibnu. Goibnu saved Dunatus's life, and in return, we, the dwarves, were blessed with Goibnu's love and skill with a hammer, and the ability to smith the weapons that we and armor that we do now. So you don't have any information on anybody else that might have ridden a dragon? I'm sure that somewhere there would be some scroll of legend written for Doitan and some of his potential exploits. Do you have knowledge of a library where you could find this? Well, the f- most vast library on Saval would be in Tel Vashir. Floating city. magic city. In the desert. <laughs> Isn't that the floating city? Yes. Yes, it is. Interjects where the tempest. mages live. Finally, adventure. <laughs> God, that would be really cool to go there one day. Can we go there? Can we fit that in? It's full of a bunch of pretentious <laughs> assholes. But it floats. So do you know how to float? Hello, yes, other campaign members. I said, do you know how to float? <laughs> no, but I don't think you have to float to be part of a floating city. The city floats for you. How would you get up to the city? Says the mage. <laughs> a new mage. Thank you very much. I assume magic. And Tempest just has the most incredulous look on her face. Like, <laughs> Well, I don't really think that somebody stands around all day casting fly on people. Have you ever heard of a teleportation circle? I've heard stories about them. I don't know how to do those. <laughs> it's very high magic. I'm sure there's probably rumors along the way. How do you, leave, well, how do you leave it? You teleport out or you fall. You jump. But Can you float? Fall. Okay, back back to float. the back to the story here. Um, Kanina was asking about the axe and if the librarian had any knowledge of something that might help about the axe. So you ask about the axe, and she looks at you, tilts her head a little bit, and like, well, I could see how potentially the the rider of Doitan may have wielded an axe or some similar weapon, and perhaps that this cult made a weapon that they thought fit his image. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Um, They are just stories, after all. And just because people try and worship stories doesn't make them real. People people do argue that 
What we think of as the gods are also just stories, and yet we worship them just the same. Well, of course, but, I mean, the whole problem therein lies that there are cults who out there who are believing that these evildoers are real, and they're causing problems in the world, so it's our job as part of the Adventurers Guild to take care of these problems as they arise. So I'm sure that they would call us a cult if they were on the other side of things, too. <laughs> Ariel's gonna blurt out, but what if we found the weapon? What about it? Did she just told me that she found the, an axe, didn't she? Yeah. You said we found it, or you yeah. asked about it? I guess I technically asked about it. I didn't yeah, she say didn't we... say you found it. Well, well I mean, if you found the weapon, it is possible that they made something that they felt honored their dragon's heritage and Do honor. Do kobolds and have that much magic to create an evil well, they might have, have we that seen... we can't even touch because it's so evil. Well, we can touch it, but um, it's it's not so much the fact they might have made it. I mean, as we've seen, um, we know that they steal things, so because you know she'll yeah, but but yeah, she'll be like, it it was quite an interesting act, though. It certainly had an evil aura about it, and may have been enchanted with some arcane knowledge that we have no idea about it was covered in draconic ruins and we found out the site of this so-called cult so that does sound like something that could have been made by the kobolds as a, a way to represent their worship of doiton and perhaps the evil deeds that they did imbued it with its own evil aura much like our king's sword gives off a good aura even though the weapon itself is not able to commit a good deed huh yeah that's interesting he has an enchanted sword of some sort? It's said that it was passed down between Dunatis and Goibnu themselves. It's the king's sword. Oh, sounds fancy. Passed from king to king as one dies and leaves beyond their legacy, the next takes it up and rules over oh. the city. So family heirloom. Family's a loose term for it, but yes. <laughs> so this is all that you have on... Red dragons or doiton? It's all that we could find on a short notice. There are many, many tomes here that would be gone through. Uh, do you need me for... Are you doing anything else or shall I, I going stay to talk here? To the king. Do I need to be there to talk to the king? Well, if you have something you'd rather research, Ariel, you can stay here and research, but yeah, we were about to grab you guys because we've received some important information that we do need to head to the king with. And I believe if anybody was to stay here and research, it would probably be better left to the people who actually run the library and know where things are. And can you read Dwarven? That's a big, big point. Yes. And would can would read you the mind? I mean, can I, can I come back another time and see if you've learned anything else? Or well, found did, anything else? I did ask them to send any word that they did find of any dragon to the Adventurers Guild. Speaking of this, I if we going to, to spend some myself. time doing a bunch of research for you, are we going to receive some sort of recompense? Uh, how I'm much sure would it cost? The, the Guild would be more than willing to... No, uh, Rem. I, I would rather the information I want to know about it as well. So... Okay. I'm willing to pay to find out any information that um, is more than just a children's tale, like... I believe even with a children's tale could be of an importance. Okay. Many children's tales are rooted in in legend and things as a, an oral history almost. Okay, I'm willing to 
I'm willing to pay for your service to look for information. What level of guild member would you like to do the work for you? What levels are there? <laughs> well, I could send a apprentice and it could help them gain some of the experience that they need, but they are an apprentice. They would be slower. They would not be as efficient. They may grab things that are not as useful. I could ask one of the journeymen, someone that has already spent a lot of time How here. How much would it cost for a master? A master is going to run you three gold per day. I can handle that. For how long? Until we leave. Yeah, I suppose we could, um, if you don't mind footing the bill area, because I'm sure the guild would compensate them, but if you wanted the information sooner, we could stop by here before we leave, and then... Yeah. How many days would you like to pay for? How many days are we going to be here? We could be I here. look to you we guys because I don't even by know. by the end of today. We don't know how long we're going to be here. Yeah, the original plan. What I would say would Can be I do best. day by day? If you'd like to return every day, yes. I would say it would be better possibly pay for a week in advance and leave them a way to get a hold of you. A okay. place they can send it. That sounds like a good idea. A forwarding address. Uh, I'll do that. I'll give you enough for a week's worth of pay. And then if I'm not here at that time, then um, you can send it to the Adventurers Guild. Attention to Ariel. 21 gold. Nope. No. 18 gold. Oh. Not a seven day week. Right. Six day week. Um, while she's paying her 18, Rim will add another 18 and be like, let's make it two weeks. Takes a while to read books. Also, is it possible to buy books? Is it possible if to I can't, buy books? If I can't. At the library? Well, at this place. It's probably very expensive. Extremely expensive. Oh. I think books the cost are not like of, printed. I think the cost of a book in the player's handbook is like a thousand gold pieces. Because yeah, somebody oh. has to sit down and rewrite the entire book. I mean, if you have the money, then yes, we could sell you a book. Depend the the cost will depend on the size of the book and how soon you need it. I was just thinking one of these uh, tales of. Uh, like well, we dragon. could have this one redone for you as she gestures to the this, this scroll. It would cost you 250 gold for it to be unillustrated, or 500 if you would like us to add the illustrations in as well, and translate it into full common. I'll take you up on that another time. Is there anything else that I could help you with? Um, nope, you got my name, you got the Adventurers Guild... So you know where to send information? I'll come back before we leave to collect anything that you've found beforehand. Okay. So Rim will gather up the scrap of cloth he left. Like, all right, I think we should uh, gather our stuff and see if we can gain audience with the uh, the king. At some point during the conversation, too, she had, like, replicated the symbol that you guys, that, that you had, so that she could reference it in the future. That's fine. And where does the party go now? I think we're going to the king. Or going towards the king. To the king! I would say we should start heading towards the king, and I think that would probably be a good place to leave off. So the party makes its way from the Guild of Surveyors. They paid for two weeks of research, with Ariel wishing to come back to speak to the guildmaster on their way out just to see if they have managed to find something in such short time and they head north all of you walk 
along the main ro- road to the north. Um, instinctually, you just know that that is where the, the king's manor is. And quite a few hundred feet along the way is a large walled-off section, which is the king's, like, mansion. It is where all of the kings of Sterengeld have resided. It is where the spire that you had seen that goes up to the roof of this cavern is it is built like the courtyard is built around that spire and though it is walled off and has a a gate with a portcullis on it it is open and you guys are able to walk into the courtyard and look around there are a few guards that are wearing this like that that pristine dark black armor that Rem had seen down at the uh, the black guard in Starin they're wearing that same armor something that Rem now knows shows them as an elite of the dwarven like armed forces and with that, as you guys are about to try and seek a meeting with the king, I think it's a good place for us to wrap up for the night. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Aurelia. If you're liking what you hear, consider rating the show and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you know someone who likes fantasy stories and think they might like the show, help them find us by showing them adventuresinarelia.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate to us monthly on Patreon at patreon.com slash adventures in Aurelia, where for only a dollar a month, you'll gain access to all of our bonus content. If you'd like to get in touch with us, there's a link to our Discord in the show notes, or you can email us at feedback at adventures in Lastly, we'd like to thank the artists who provide music for us to use in the show. Kevin McLeod of Acompetech.com, Tabletop Audio, Windswept, Sirenscape, Alexander Nakarada from Serpent Sound Studios, Adrian Von Ziegler, Jamie Brace, Derek and Brandon Feichter, and Scott Buckley. You can find all links to these wonderful artists at adventuresinarelia.com music. Ooh, cavernous. Almost like I'm inside a very large mountain, standing on the edge of a dwarven city. Thank you to BattleBards.com, who have allowed us to use music from their catalog in our show. If you'd like to bring some of the music, soundscapes, and effects from the world of Aurelia into your own games, you can subscribe to BattleBards Prime. This gives you the ability to stream the entire catalog of music during your home games, as well as gives you a 20% discount on any purchases you make to keep for later. If you're interested, you can use the coupon code ERILIA, that's E-R-Y-L-I-A, to save 15% on your subscription. Now, I have to get going. They were also responsible for this dragon sleeping behind me, and I do not want to wake it.